The Leaning In Leadership Podcast is presented to you by Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. This is a place to lean in to good leadership practices through conversations with great leaders. Lean in and listen close as your host, Dr. Carlos Lonberger, discusses a wide variety of leadership topics to encourage, equip, and empower your leadership. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this month's episode of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Lonberger, and I am excited about our guest and our content today because we're talking our content about content. We are going to talk to the one and only Brian McIntyre Utter, who is the ministry director for Shine.fm and, quite frankly, the mastermind behind getting me into this podcast. <laughs> So you can blame it all on it's me. It's all your fault, right? No, I give you all the credit, my friend. Welcome, Brian. We're glad to have you here this month. Thanks for having me. I love being able to talk about this kind of topic and, and discuss these kinds of things because I think it's uh, vitally important, especially in ministry. So. Exactly. Yes, definitely. And you have a very unique perspective on what we're going to talk about this month. We are looking into what it means to create content in this new reality that we know, mm-hmm. right? It's not just sharing somebody else's stuff. It, it's not just, hey, have you read this person's book or that person's book recently? Although those are great resources, we're going to talk about how leaders need to be, or what should we be, to what extent, mm-hmm. creating content for the people that we we lead. So yeah. let's let's kind of start this off in a good way with just a simple question, Brian, of how does uh, content creation really inform and shape our leadership? Well, as as leaders, we're constantly learning. I mean, it's all about lifelong learning, mm-hmm. and there's so much content available now when it comes to our consumption as leaders, which I think is vitally important. We have to be consuming right. content, reading things all the time. And I know with schedules, that's difficult a lot of times. And so the best way to do it is to find the right kind of content platform that is easily accessible to you, whether that's mm-hmm. reading blogs and you subscribe to specific blogs using an RSS feed. So when an updated blog comes in, you read that. And mm-hmm. and blogs for the most part should be fairly short and easily consumable. Mm-hmm. On the consumer side of things, that's what helps grow and feed a leader. Now on the other side, should the leader be creating content as well? Absolutely. Content in many ways, along with data, that is the product of the 21st century. That is currency. Mm -hmm. That's why so many corporations are investing in data. And honestly, the local church needs to do that as well. You need to know who your attenders are, who your members are, people that come into your door. How do you gather their data? People that come into your virtual door, which is a whole nother thing we can probably talk about and we can do that later. But uh, (laughs) how do you capture that data? Really creating content on the part of the leader is all about um, content is information, Mm -hmm. but sharing that with an audience is influence. Say that again. If I can say it right again, (laughs) let's say uh, content is information, but sharing that content with an audience, that's influence. That's good. You can tweet that. And Uh, influence (laughs) is leadership, really, at the end of the day. Leadership boils down to what type of influence you have. Yeah. I can go into a big discussion about media literacy, which media literacy was a huge focus of one of my master's degrees that we don't teach here in the United States. It's taught in developed countries around the world in elementary school. 
really to kids about media literacy. And basically what that is, is educating kids that everything that is produced as media, and let's face it, we're all media producers now, thanks to social media, exactly. the access of YouTube and blogs and different things. And so that's media. Mm-hmm. And so media literacy is telling kids every piece of media produced, every piece of content <laughs> is produced to influence mm-hmm. and it has an agenda. We don't teach that in schools here in the United States. We, we really rely on parents to teach our own kids that, and mm-hmm. many parents don't. Right. It does not matter. If it's being produced content and sent out to an audience, they all have an agenda. I mean, yeah. even you know Shine.fm as a radio network, we have an agenda. Our agenda is Jesus Christ and the hope that can be found in him. That's our agenda. We want right. that message to be spread. Media literacy is a part of that because of the amount of influence that content has from somebody. And there's always an originator of that content. The company Apple, they have this super secret conference every year (laughs) and you can only go by invitation. Mm -hmm. And it is mainly media people that are invited to this, the technology world. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my friends who, who owns a media company has been invited to this. And he talked about how Apple at its core, totally pun intended, right? (laughs) Right. At its core is this giant hub of content, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's really how any entity, whether it's a ministry or a corporation should think about this, that content hub at the center of who you are, that is every messaging that you're creating. Mm -hmm. And then today we have so many doors. Apple uses storefronts because they have 45,000 quote storefronts around the world. And a lot of those are digital websites. I use doors Mm -hmm. because people are going to enter your sphere of influence, that hub through a different door. Social media, that's all doors. So if you look at the local church, what does that look like? 20 years ago, when you talked about the church's platform, that was it. It was the platform at the front of the sanctuary. And at the center of that platform was either a pulpit or a music stand, Uh or if you were a hip church 20 years ago, you had the high table and the bar stool or whatever, but that was the platform. Right. And your content you delivered from that platform on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night. Right. And that content was typically 45 minutes long <laughs> as a sermon. That doesn't include the worship. Uh, right. But what's happened over time is uh, a lot of things have influenced the change. Sermons are not 45 minutes an hour long anymore thanks to the sitcom. Right. The situation comedy, 30-hour television show changed that for everyone. 30-minute television yeah, show. Yeah, sorry, 30-minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want a 30-hour 30 sermon. Hour, trust no, me. Right. We're tracking with you. <laughs> but what's happened is uh, that's influenced things. And today, when you talk about the platform, it's platforms. Right. Yes, the platform, probably the face-to-face platform of the local church, vitally important. One of the most important doors you have of people getting into your sphere of influence, if of you course. will. Yeah. Uh, for us here at the radio station, that is still FM radio signals. Right. You know, that's our biggest door. That's where the biggest group of audience comes into until recently. Hmm. Because of COVID, and they've changed things, we have seen our listening numbers online, streaming, now surpass how many people listen to us terrestrially. Really? And this is an opportunity for the local church, because the local church, when a family... And let's face it, the oldest millennial is 39 years old now. So if you, you're still talking about reaching millennials, that's 39 years old. Right. You need to be totally thinking about how do I reach Generation Z? Because guess what? They're now in their early 20s. Yep. And so reaching millennials, you should have been working on that 10 years ago. But if a millennial family moves to your town, they're not going to drive through the streets looking for your church. 
they're not going to look at a phone book for the yellow pages. So I can just tell you right now, stop what's, buying what's a phone book? Stop buying ads Rick. on the yellow pages. It's a waste <laughs> of money because they take it, it gets delivered to their front step, they immediately put it into their recycling bin. Right. Because they have Google. They don't need yellow pages. So if they have Google, the front door of your church is not your lobby. Right. The front door of your church is now your website. Exactly. And you have to, one, have a great website that communicates who you are effectively and communicating it very briefly because they're, trust me, their their attention span is nothing. Thanks to YouTube, they have basically six seconds to get their attention. And so <laughs> it's not the front door. It's not the front lobby. So you've redone your lobby. You've put in the nice coffee bar. You think it looks great. Awesome. That's right. great. It's not your front door anymore. Your website is. So you got to invest money in that website. There's no other way around it. That's the first impression. Yes. That becomes a door, an important door into your sphere of influence mm-hmm. as a pastor, as a leader. I could keep going on and on, but I want you to ask me more questions so I can refocus <laughs> this rather than just do an information dump. <laughs> no, it's good. So you talked about the social media platforms. Yes. And I got to tell you, last night I'm sitting at the dining room table mm-hmm. with my family, four boys, and my youngest, 10 years old, says uh, one of the most exciting parts of his day was that his five favorite YouTubers mm-hmm. posted new videos yeah. that day. Yeah, It caught me for a second. It did. It caught me for a second, but mm-hmm. I didn't think a ton about it until this conversation. Yeah, I couldn't have fathomed that framework when I was 15. Right. Or maybe probably even 20, probably closer to 25. And here's my 10-year-old saying his five favorite YouTubers posted new videos and it was the most exciting part of his day. Yeah. You know, that's a complete paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift that as leaders, ministerial leaders, we have to pay attention to. Just brief history on this. Yeah. ABC, CBS, and NBC started in the late 40s. After World War II, media started taking off television. Late 40s, early 50s is when they really started rising up. They dominated everything Mm -hmm. until about 2010. Okay. Those major television networks we've had here in the U.S. When we were growing up and you had like 11 channels, right? (laughs) Right. And my dad had three channels and that's what they were. (laughs) What happens is today, YouTube is the second most used search engine online after Google. Mm -hmm. Google owns YouTube. Of course. Yeah. You can take all the content that ABC, NBC, and CBS has created since they started until today. You can add all those hours up. There's still more YouTube watched in one day. Today, more content was watched on YouTube than everything that ABC, CBS, or NBC has produced in their entire history. That's unbelievable. So when college students today, Gen Z, when they graduate from college, they're getting their first job, they're starting their career, they're getting their first apartment or house, they're not signing up for cable. Right. They're signing up for internet and they're getting the best internet they could possibly find because it's all about on demand. This generation is about uh, three different characteristics. One, they love to express themselves. Mm -hmm. They've had the tools to express themselves since they were kids and they love doing that Mm -hmm. through social media, through creating their own video content. They're content creators. Right. That is a part of their DNA. Right. Um, The the second thing is they want to personalize their media choices. So they don't want cable TV because cable TV says you have to watch this show on this channel using this device at this time. Right. They're saying, no, that's not going to work for me. I can get this app and I can watch this whenever I want to. Mm -hmm. And I can binge it, which is this whole new concept, of course. And the third characteristic of this generation, which I think is vitally important for the local church to realize, is this generation thrives and desires community. They Mm -hmm. want to be a part of community more than anything else. So you're thinking, well, it's all digital. No, 
They still want to gather face to face. They still want to get coffee and they want good coffee. So if you open up that coffee bar in that lobby I mentioned earlier, it better be great coffee. Good coffee. I'm not saying Starbucks. I think it's bitter, Uh, (laughs) but it better be good coffee. Yeah. And there are plenty of Christian ministries out there, Christian coffee brewers that are supplying good coffee to churches. Google it. And so this generation has changed things. You know, for years we've talked about content is king. Mm-hmm. You got to have good, compelling content. There's no other way around it. Now they say, and it's just been saying this for the past 10 years or so, is that distribution is queen. Those are the doors I've been talking about. So content is king. Yes. Distribution is queen. Yeah. Let's talk about content. Mm-hmm. Content 20 years ago, sermon. Right. Midweek Bible study. That was content. Right. Content today is wide open. Now you're saying, well, we, we're, we're now streaming our service online. Okay, great. Yeah. You're going to attract people that one are already a part of your church, or maybe they're a part of another church because the outside world, they don't know how to think in the mindset of sermon. Right. <laughs> That's the way we think. We think in the mindset of sermon, introduction, grab their attention. Here are the three points, you know, based upon the scripture. Then we got this application conclusion and we're done. Right. And it's now 25 minutes long. <laughs> Whereas before it was an hour, it's now 25 minutes exactly. long. And COVID has affected that too. We've had to think quicker. I mean, when you are watching online church, 45 minutes is kind of the max for everything. The total service. The right? total service. Yeah. And, and that includes worship. Now, one of the things we don't do on online church is take an offering. In fact, we don't take offerings anymore because of COVID, <laughs> can't pass a plate. So right. that cuts out some time. Right. And you can't do necessarily communion. Although I've seen churches do communion virtually and yeah. it works. This is the attention span. Right. And so when it comes to content, and if you're you're in a ministerial leadership position and you're thinking, well, I, I prepare this sermon every week, that's going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part of it. But who's your target audience? And that's a main question you have to ask yourself when you're developing content. Who is the target audience? Right. Who am I wanting to reach with this information? Mm. Because distribution is going to play into that. Yep. And how you create that content is going to play into that. I've heard churches that have older seasoned members mm-hmm. who don't have internet. So during COVID, what do they do? I have a church. I don't know how I got on their mailing list, but they send me, <laughs> they send me the written out sermon every week. And that's how they're doing it. Like snail mail. Well, no, it's, paper, it's email. Or, or email. It's email. Okay. Yeah. But they're, but I know other churches that are literally recording onto CD and cassette, right. even cassette, because some people have the players and distributing them. That's their weekly service. If we're talking specifically about the context of leadership in the church mm-hmm. through all that we've been through, you know, you dial back 30 years, a tape and CD ministry was popular. Huge, yeah. You know, and necessary because there wasn't any other means to get that out there. And now we're saying not only do you have to think about the content that you're creating, yeah. but the way you're distributing it mm-hmm. to your target audience is critical. Yeah. And these are the kind of concepts of the difference of who does TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram reach versus Facebook and Facebook, but, uh, MySpace dead. Uh, MySpace. Thank you. <laughs> MySpace was the one I was trying. So you have the difference in what audience is reached in TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram versus mm-hmm. Facebook and MySpace is long since gone. And that was one of the pioneers, right? right exactly. So all of these, not only content concepts, but distribution resources are constantly changing. How is a leader supposed to keep up? Yeah. I get asked that question a lot. I get asked the question, what's next? 
Yeah. I live in this world, so and part of me is I'm a futurist. I'm looking what's what's coming and what's going to happen five years from now. It's impossible to really know what's happening five years from right. now, but I do know what is happening now being tested, like beta tested apps. Clubhouse mm-hmm. is a big one. I'm on it now. I'm not actually creating content on it. I'm watching this unfold and see how it's utilized and then figuring out what are the implications for me yeah. because it's an audio-based thing, which okay. for the radio side of things makes sense. Of course. Um, when you look at the content you're creating, you're figuring out your target audience. And part of that research that you're doing is figuring out what platforms is that target audience using. Right. Facebook is no longer the number one social media. Younger people aren't embracing Facebook right. like they used to. Several reasons. Um, one, security issues. Yep. They're kind of worried about that. And yep. two, grandma's on Facebook now. <laughs> and they, they can't share everything because grandma might get offended, honestly. Of course. And so they have to be careful. And the only reason grandma got on Facebook in the first place is because she wanted to see pictures of her grandkids. Right. But once grandkids get to a certain age, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. Maybe grandma, grandma can, shouldn't Grandma see can that. follow mom and mom's <laughs> going to share kids, grandkids pictures. When it comes to figuring this out and why we've kind of been thrown into it because of COVID, crisis drives ingenuity. Yes. It really does. You know, you've probably heard the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We all immediately realized a year ago that we had to become media content creators, the local church. How else do we do this? And we're figuring it out and we're doing what we can. Not everyone has the resources to do what is necessary. And they're just thinking the Sunday morning service and getting that out there. Now, maybe they're just going on Facebook Live and I see a lot of them doing this and doing Bible studies during the week, which works if your target audience consumes content that way, which on on something like Facebook Facebook live. Right. Yeah. And of course it's archive, which is a great thing when it comes to the online church. One of the things it's not just throwing our content out there. You have to build online community. And Mm -hmm. that's the challenge that because online church is not going to go away. Right. If you've invested funds into going online with equipment beyond just doing Facebook Live, and if you have the resources, and bigger churches, they have an online pastor now. They have an online campus, if you will. That's and right. they realize that that's vitally important. So you have to engage with those people. I knew a pastor in, uh, in Maine who was one of the first pastors to stream his service and put it on Roku. Really? And this pastor, he was, I mean, the church was receiving tithe from Arkansas. Because people were watching Because it. people watched it. They had access. But you really have to work hard at creating that online community. Those people have to feel connected. The digital connection is a lot harder than people realize. Before COVID, everyone's like, oh, education's going completely online and, and we can do all this so much easier. Well, I'll tell you, working at a university, students hate online classes. <laughs> they hate doing school from their homes. Mm-hmm. They want to be on campus. They want to be with their friends. They miss the social aspect of a campus life. Yeah, It's not going to change. People still thrive to be face-to-face with people. Right. So how do we create that with an online campus? That's the challenge that's ahead for the church. Do I have the answer? No, I don't. I see some things that are done well, yeah. you know, but it's all about interacting. Here, we've done uh, monthly concerts online because we normally do concerts and we can't do them. And so we had a, just over 2,000 families that watched one last week weekend, we interact with them during the concert. Nice. Because that's a part of it, interacting. It's called social media for a reason. Social right. is communication. Communication is two-way. Mm-hmm. And so how do we figure that out as a local ministry, a local church creating content? And content is wide open. 
I mentioned Clubhouse. This is something new. It's it. You have to be invited to to download the app. Mm-hmm. If anyone's really interested, I think I have two or three invitations left. <laughs> but there are these groups of people that gather around a specific culture theme tribe, if you will, okay. and they have these discussions. But people can just join in and listen. They have to approve you if you're actually sharing in the content as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, how do we utilize this? A local church could utilize this if you just wanted audio. And that's what it is. It's not video. It's just right. audio. But I'm also thinking, how do we have conversations like that that are rich in content and you've created a community? Right. And then they can follow those discussions because once you've created that community, the community exists. And you can say, hey, we're going to have another talk about this topic coming up Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Yeah. The world out there, they're creating this kinds of opportunities. How can we as a church figure this out? Most people think that the church is always way behind when it comes to technology. And they don't realize that many of the technological inventions in our history were created because of the church. Mm-hmm. The printing press, Gutenberg, they wanted the Bible out there. Right. The founder of the Foursquare Gospel Church, she was the one who first realized that radio can be utilized for the masses. Right. Thomas Edison, I think, invented the first moving camera, so v- like video camera. Right. He did not know what to do with it, so he gave the patent to his local church. Now, the local church didn't know what to do with it either, but (laughs) but you know what? All this technology has come alongside the church and Billy Graham and television. He was the first guy to realize, man, this new thing, television, I can speak to millions and millions of people. And that's why he always did his crusades on TV. Mm -hmm. So we've been there all along. We've not been innovative in the last 50 years. And I think that's where we need to step up and really be innovative. Now we've got the Bible app, Life Church in Oklahoma did the Bible app and that's innovative and done amazing things. They've also, one of the interesting things that you had mentioned was the need for community. Yeah. And Life Church has actually developed not just streaming Mm -hmm. concepts, not just broadcasting, but an online campus experience. Yes. It's an online platform for virtual church that they have made available for congregations to use. I know large Mm. churches, small churches using this, especially over the last 13 months to get their church still out there and have it be interactive, not just, you know, the broadcasting, mm-hmm. the the live streaming kind of concepts. Let's do this real quick. I'm, I'm going to ask the big loaded question yeah. that I love to ask. You have mentioned some of the ways that COVID over the last 13 months has impacted what we're doing in content creation, Mm -hmm. in our media platforms, specifically for the church. I want to dive into that just a little bit because here's what I've seen in my work with churches over the last year. It is the great equalizer. The big churches Mm -hmm. who had such a strong digital presence in social media, their own websites, all of those kinds of things. Those were the folks who were telling me that we're going, as they say, quote unquote, old school, right? Yeah. And we're divvying up our church list between all of our staffers mm-hmm. and people are picking up the phone and making phone calls right? because we can't go visit people face to face. We're making phone calls. The smaller churches that you mentioned, and, and I hate to use the terms big and small because that's not always right. applicable, but some of the other churches were faced with the reality that they didn't have any digital presence. They didn't even have a Facebook page. Now they're figuring out how to do online giving and mm-hmm. they're live streaming video 
And so the pandemic was one of these concepts where it pulled all sorts of churches into this great equalized idea of of what they have to do Mm -hmm. to navigate such a bizarre set of circumstances, right? Yeah. So in your world, okay, you mentioned the the concerts and Mm -hmm. things like that that you can't do, but in your world, how has this pandemic really impacted deeply the types of trends that you've seen people doing in content creation? Trends specifically, again, go back to content is king, Mm -hmm. so you have to create great content. Right. And distribution is queen. You have to ask the question, how do we reach the right audience? Mm -hmm. So our audiences are going to be different. Remember, they're all coming into that center core, that hub, if you will. But you have to think about your doors. Mm -hmm. And your doors will be designed a specific way for a specific audience. And the content you have behind those doors, you got to connect that door to the right content. So as a church, you could be looking at, you have your Sunday sermon, but you also want to continue doing children's ministry and you youth ministry and you want to continue doing like weekly Bible studies, how do we do this? Right. These are different audiences. They have to be, you have have to think about, okay, distribution's queen. What platforms do we distribute those on? How do we create this content and what does that look like? How do we build community as a part of that? Many things you're simplifying. Mm Mm-hmm. If you were a church that basically did Sunday morning and that's it, you had a pretty easy time in COVID. Right. But if you were a church where you had constantly things going on in your church and all these different ministries, you have to figure out how do we do all these different things virtually while building community. And so I I know like our children's pastor delivered things to homes, you know, individually bagged carefully with rubber gloves (laughs) so that the kids could have materials Uh that would tie into what she was doing online. Right. that the kids were participating in. Same with youth ministry. And eventually uh, youth ministry, we put in the parking lot spread out, you know, once we could. <laughs> right. You know, so you just you just have to think creatively in how you do this. Now, when it comes to actual content, you have to, again, know your audience, know how they want this distributed. Once you figure that out, you've got to narrow your focus. Okay. Media is always about a target audience. Anything on television, created in movies, YouTube, there is a target audience. Yeah. And you cannot create something that's going to appeal to everybody. So you just put that out of your mind right away. Even the Sunday morning service doesn't appeal to everybody. Right. Right. You have a tribe, you have a culture, that's who you're appealing to. Those are the kinds of people that you would attract to your church. Yeah. And, and every, every church is different. That's mm-hmm. a di- different culture. But um, when it comes to content and narrowing your focus, look at the different things that you could possibly do. There, There's the video cast on demand, and then there's the audio cast on demand, which is podcasting. Right. You know, podcasting has been around a while. Just within the last couple of years prior to COVID, it, it finally started making money. Now, there is an overwhelming amount of content out there, mm-hmm. and that's why you need to focus your audience, narrow your focus. Right. I mean, you were coming up with this idea of, of doing a podcast that I sort of suggested to you <laughs> of ministerial leadership. Right. There are a ton of leadership podcasts out there, but for ministers and lay leaders, there's not that much. Right. And so figuring out the focus, I heard it at a podcast conference once, um, this is how you narrow your focus. If you want to do a podcast on professional wrestling, it'll never work. <laughs> if you want to do a podcast on the World Wrestling Federation, that won't work either. But if you did a podcast on the World Wrestling Federation, the wrestlers from 1984 to 1989, you'll be successful. Because there's this pocket of people out there that love those wrestlers. Right. I have a friend who has the number one listen to Chicago Blackhawks podcast. He does it on his own. He works for sports radio, but he did this on his own. It's become number one because it focuses specifically on the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. 
and he was one of the first. Now there are, of course, many that focus on that team. But he does another podcast that's called something like I Am Fat, where they just talk about fast food, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there are lovers of fast food out there, and it's, it's this narrow focus. So as a church or a ministry, how do we then narrow our focus on a specific audience to reach that specific audience? Yeah. We, you know, we've talked about small groups in the church, and I know a lot of churches will do small groups based upon interests. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the IT world and you're a tech geek, we have a small group for you. <laughs> it's the same kind of way with creating content. Yeah, You're creating content for that tech geek group. I mean, there is a podcast. It's This Week in Technology. It's been around forever. And it is Geek Central. It, they talk about, and these podcasts sometimes will be three hours long talking about technology. That's crazy. But these guys out there that are into tech, man, they listen to every minute they of it. They eat it up. <laughs> they do. That's crazy. They want to know where it's going. Find your audience. That's good. I mean, because sometimes we don't, maybe sometimes we get this backwards Mm -hmm. a little bit. When we're talking about content creation, we're trying to find our voice amongst the sea of many voices. Way too much. Way too much. Maybe we need to focus on our audience. Mm -hmm. Find your audience and give them a voice in whatever content you're creating. So, Brian, you have been working diligently through all of this past 13 months of pandemic isolation and separation you on the shine.fm broad umbrella of content creation have a lot of great things going on from different podcasts and station options and online listening kind of give us a little plug tell us a little bit about what is going on in the life of shine.fm right now we have several different things. I mean, again, we, we use the same concept of that central hub and then our doors. Yeah. And our doors are numerous towards specific target audiences. And so uh, we have seven radio signals in a three-state area in the Midwest. Yeah. Now, one of those signals is for our youth channel, which we call Spark. So that's a focused audience yep. of a 12, 13-year-old to about a 24-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it's focused on music that they enjoy. Now, this age group is very eclectic in their music anyway. <laughs> but we have a lot of pop and hip hop, which seems to be, we, you know, we do research and that seems to be their preference of that age group. But it's also the content between the songs that we're preparing. And that station is really what our students learn on. And so we are teaching them to be content creators, thinking about that narrowed focus audience and creating these little information bits for them, messages of hope and different things. But that's also a generation that cares about entertainment. So we have to talk about that. On the shine side of things, which is, of course is our biggest network, that's geared towards the adult audience, primarily female, 25 to 54 year old. We have a specific target listener in mind. Her name is Jess and she's 39, (laughs) mom of three or whatever. Um, Everything we do is focused on that audience. Uh But then we also have another channel. Uh, We have two stations. We're getting ready to hopefully acquire our third signal for uh, our Spanish, which is Bria, which is the word for Spanish uh, and for shine. And again, it's still that same target audience. She's just a Spanish speaker. Yeah. So we have a couple signals now currently in Indiana. We get great listener feedback from that. But that station is listened to in, you know, 24 countries around the world mm-hmm. that uh, have Spanish speakers, including the U.S. and Canada, of course. So that's the terrestrial side of things. And, uh, you know, we have about 250,000 listeners that listen to our seven radio stations combined. We have about 255,000 listeners <laughs> that li- listen online. Right. And, you know, what's happened is the home speaker, the Alexas, the Google Home, they have put radio back in the home. Right. In fact, what we do here, we don't call radio. Radio, no. 
Radio is too limited. Yeah. Uh, we, we're a ministry that creates content. It's all about the hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we push that out on multiple platforms. We did uh, because, of, again, that Gen Z of I'm going to listen to, you know, when I want to listen to it, the way I want to listen to it. Uh, we created our podcast channel and we offer right. several different podcasts on there, um, including Leading in Leadership. Uh, we have a mom cast with one of our hosts. She's a mom and, and does mom talk all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do an interview type show with artists. We call it a, a closer look. We do one where we share powerful testimonies of our listeners. We call that Shine 180 and how God has completely changed this life around. Right. Uh, the one I do with my son, again, trying to figure out that focused, narrowing your audience. Uh, my son was finishing high school. I'm racking my brain for a good idea for a podcast. And one of the things that we did growing up is we had great faith conversations across the table. Right. And he's going off to college and I didn't want those to end. Yeah. And since he's going to college 20 minutes from our house, <laughs> we're like, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's just turn on the mic and have these faith conversations. And we call it the kitchen table because that's where we have these conversations. And it's been probably the most fun I've had in media in 30 plus years. It's great. Just doing that. And the whole purpose of it was really to encourage other parents to have faith conversations with their kids. And it doesn't matter their age. So we talk all kinds of stuff about uh, different faith topics. Saying all that, we still have other doors. The social Mm -hmm. media platforms are doors. We have, uh, of course, a Facebook page for Shine, but we have a group and a group is all about community. Right. And so we have a Shine Moms group. So I don't get to go into it. I'm not a mom. <laughs> there are two requirements. You have to listen to Shine and you have to be a mom. And there's well over a thousand ladies in this group. The ladies that I have on my team here, they're the ones that kind of moderate it, but they really don't because all these other ladies are just feeding content into it each yeah. other. And it's rich and they get to share with each other when they're struggling, Good. they get to share that. And that's that's really what we're trying to do at the local church level. How do we create those kinds of community groups? Right at the local church level. The church needs a Facebook page, page, the page first, and your page should be focused exterior audience. That's people that don't attend your church. So the content you're putting up on your Facebook page needs to be focused on those that don't attend your church. Right. Your website also needs to be focused on those who don't attend your church primarily. You need to communicate right away. This is who we are and what do people want to see? They want to see if you have great children's ministries, great youth ministries. They want to see your worship. They're going to try you out online before they even come to your front door. Right. The page on Facebook has to be focused externally. Groups that you create are then focused internally. Mm-hmm. And you need to create as many groups as you'd like because that's communication. Yeah. And you can make those groups private. You can make those groups public. We even have a a Shine staff Facebook group that is private. Right. And we communicate to each other through that group. So if we've got our church of the week, we'll put that information in there. So anyone who does a show on our radio station, they have access to that. They know some of the things we need to be talking about, Mm -hmm. Um, but just fun stuff too. And news stuff, we put that in there as well. So-and-so needs prayer. So-and-so's having a baby, you know, whatever. That's community. And you want to create that. Let's go to another platform, Twitter. Twitter, the local church, in my opinion, does not need Twitter because Twitter is an individual communication device. The pastor, the pastoral staff, they need to have Twitter if they're trying to reach the Twitter audience again. And that is communicating out what's important to that audience. You're creating content specifically for Twitter, whatever that looks like. Now you can use Twitter totally as either sermon prep or (laughs) post-sermon discussion. Either way. So if you're talking about a specific thing on Sunday in your sermon, during the week, tweet out a question, get some feedback, include that, that the feedback may be in the sermon. Or you've got now 25, 20, 25 minutes for a sermon in today's world. You have more information. Well, 
post-sermon, tweet out once a day a little bit more from that sermon that you didn't get to include. Right. It's just an extension of that original platform behind the pulpit. Instagram is all about images. Now it's about videos because uh, they've sort of tried to do what TikTok is doing and, <laughs> and it is somewhat successful. I don't use TikTok. I'm old. It's ge- definitely gearing younger. Um, so I'm, I'm too old for that. I know people that are using it. I know radio stations that focus younger that are using it and are successful with it. Yeah. And definitely they need to be doing that. If you're a church that's wanting to reach young people, even though the pastor is going to have to get on there and do some weird dance, probably going to be worth your wild. <laughs> and if the pastor's on Twitter, another thing a pastor needs to do is also utilize the hashtag. It's vitally important yeah. about what you're talking about. In fact, if you're doing a sermon series, create a hashtag specifically for the sermon and mm-hmm. keep it on the bottom of your screen on the platform. Hashtag whatever. But a pastor also needs to be tweeting, and I know it doesn't make sense, if March Madness going on, maybe if the pastor is following a specific team, the pastor needs to be tweeting out about that specific team as well, using the appropriate hashtags according to that team or to March Madness. Why would they do that? Well, because people will see that hashtag and read your comment. They'll maybe go to your Twitter account, see that you're a pastor, start reading some of your content, and then start following you if it interests them. So that's how you grow your audience. Even when it comes to like Hollywood award shows, which they're horrible, right? (laughs) Or HGTV, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I watched that show with my wife when it was on. He talked about 80s Bermuda shorts. My generation, we're probably about the same age. I totally latched onto that. So I tweeted it. And of course, I tagged him in it. And I also tagged in HGTV and Bermuda shorts. Right. And then HGTV saw this. They retweet my tweet. So that means my audience then expanded of who saw that tweet. And I got several people following me when most of what I put on Twitter is faith quotes. Right. And so now they're consuming that content. I put a lot of quotes about faith and different things, even on my Facebook page, and it started as an accident. It wasn't on purpose. I just did it for a while, and then I stopped doing it. And then I got private messages from people that I grew up with, went to high school with, who aren't going to church, who are not followers of Christ. Hey, I really miss those. They encourage me. Right. So now, I, of course, I had to start it up again. Right. <laughs> and I'll have people that will reach out to me, again, who don't have a pastor, don't go to church. They said, man, I really appreciate what you, I'm really struggling right now. Can you pray about this? In a way, my Facebook page is a church. Right. And I deliver two sermons that are less than 280 characters long twice a day to almost 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And that's community right. in a way. And I engage with them. That wasn't my plan. It just sort of happens. So you can see how it works. Yeah. Some of these things we tend to overthink. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to overthink these, overproduce these things. We should be thoughtful and we should be mindful about what we're posting Mm -hmm. and who it's intended to reach. But you can have a presence in these content creation arenas, the platforms and the media outlets, the social media outlets, where you don't have to spend a full-time job doing it. And people will hear what you have to say. Most people think I'm on social media all the time. I, I don't have time for that. Right. And I'll tell you what I do. My quotes, I do two quotes a day. Mm -hmm. I have a buffer, which is what I use, which is a social media management software. Mm -hmm. And I set everything up. So I will take an hour every Monday night and I'll set up the entire week. Right. And that's what it takes. Takes less than an hour to set up the entire week. Mm -hmm. 
I like to use graphics because people are used to visual. They see right. that more than just written text. They love visuals. Mm-hmm. So utilize graphics. Do what you can. I mean, let's face it. What church has a social media person full-time on staff? Right. doesn't happen. I don't even have that here at the ministry I'm a part of, and I wish <laughs> I did, because we are content creation. We need to be doing that. Right. Just do what you can. Don't overload yourself. And if you're on Twitter, it's all about communication. So if you're on anything that you need to follow more closely, I would think it's Twitter. Okay. Another thing here, avoid politics at all costs. Right. No one ever argued anybody into the kingdom of God. If you're wanting to attract a specific audience, that doesn't do it. Right. So again, avoid it. I don't talk about it. And, and even, even even the quotes I put out, sometimes I'll have someone within a church somewhere who will disagree with it theologically. Right. And of course, they're going to comment about it. A lot of times I just silence it, you know, mute that, mute that comment because I'm not doing it for that person. I'm right. doing it for the person, again, who doesn't have a local church and who's seeking, who's a pre-Christian, who just loves the encouragement. Mm-hmm. That's why I do it. As a leader is looking to build a content presence, yeah. what are some key elements or kind of tricks of the trade that you would recommend that they implement to kind of grow their following that they can reach as many people as, as possible? Well, again, I mentioned that software before. There's all kinds of social media softwares that can manage this for you so it saves you time. Yeah, You need to think content-wise in three areas, the written word, which is blog, video, and audio. Audio, audio mm-hmm. courses, podcast. Utilize whatever you're most comfortable with, whatever you have the technology with. And a lot of pastors write blogs. Blogs are actually probably the best way to build like an email database. And that's really what you want to do. You want to build an email database. Uh, again, data is currency. And right. so to have people as a part of that. And the way you do that is, of course, getting your blog popular. And then you can get updates on the blog by email. You got a new blog, you blast it out to everyone. That's right. that's the way it's done. But to get your blog numbers up, you have to use cross-promotion on all these platforms. Mm-hmm. So if you're on Facebook, Twitter, and you have a blog, you write the blog, you build in your email database, you want to tweet out a short link to the blog. Mm-hmm. That'll, get, that'll get people from another doorway into your hub, and hopefully you can get their email address along the way. Right. And then, of course, you want to post, not the whole thing, on Facebook. You always want to point them back to where you have your blog hosted, which is hopefully the local church website. Right. You want to drive everybody to the local church website. So have everything hosted. Even if you have videos on YouTube, you can put those on websites fairly easy. Um, mm-hmm. I recommend things like WordPress, which are super easy to... If, if I can figure out WordPress, anyone can, <laughs> right? And I am not a coder at all. Right. Uh, but um, cross-promoting, pushing from one platform to the other to build that audience because you're going to have different people coming at it from a different door. Yeah but you want to really get them on the same place because the same place is where community happens. That's great, Brian. So many good tips, so many great suggestions for how a leader can utilize content creation to influence the people that they lead. It's such a new world in Mm -hmm. this and a world that is constantly changing. You mentioned multiple times of different new things that you're looking out the front window to see coming, right? right? I just think if leaders could 
not be scared of the change. Right. There's so much that is coming. There's so much that constantly changes. I mean, we mentioned MySpace and uh, <laughs> Zanga, you know, I mean, what were all those things that have led us to Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all of those different social media outlets that we have at our disposal now didn't exist not that long ago. Right. When you really stop and think about it. So don't be afraid, leaders. When you're trying to get your word out there and build your influence through content creation. Don't be afraid of the new thing that's coming, the new thing, the new opportunity that is ahead of you, because it really is that an opportunity, not just a challenge. Brian, thank you so much for being a part of this Leaning In Leadership podcast. You don't know this, folks, but Brian is the one who sits down and listens to me ramble on (laughs) for hours each month with our various great guests and edits it in a way that makes it something you want to listen to. So (laughs) so. (laughs) uh, he's a part of the team and the brain behind so many great things happening here at shine.fm. Check them out. If you have enjoyed this content on content Mm -hmm. uh, this month, please like, share, comment, rate us wherever you take in your podcast content. And we're glad you're here with us this month. Thank you, Brian, for being a part of this conversation. And remember, folks, when you are in leadership, you're not just in a people business. Your business is people. Have a great month. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast from Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. If you enjoy this episode, please comment on it, rate it, and share it wherever you stream your content. You can follow Leaning In Leadership on social media and watch for upcoming episodes released the first Thursday of every month.